Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Stepping back onto the show for round two today is a woman who continues to show the world how driven, motivated, and ready she is to do her part in helping others reach their potential. She is a world-class coach who helps women discover their purpose and put that purpose into action and is the host of the Goddess Getaway Retreats, which are designed to show women the power that can be cultivated when they optimize their social connections and come together to create common goals and dreams. So please help me in welcoming back the one, the only, Rachel Veritimos. What's up, Rach? What's up? You're so cute. Thanks for that intro. No problem. You know, I mean, as you know, and now being a podcast host yourself, the intros to me, they're just so fun. And check out the just, they're fun. Being able to do one for you it makes me extra smitten. So it's amazing to be able to do this with you and have you back on and to bring the listeners forward and everything that's been happening in your life because there are so many things. Like, for instance, you have a podcast now, which is amazing. And so, you know, I really would love if we could pick up with really the best parts of your last six months, right? Because you've done a lot of different development work on yourself and also for your business. And so I'd love to showcase a lot of that because really my goal for this episode is to show the listeners what can happen when you take messy action and you get yourself a little uncomfortable, not necessarily super uncomfortable, right? We don't always recommend that, yet it does happen. But also when you're able to move through that and embrace that fear as simply false evidence appearing real. So why don't you bring us up to date on the last six months and how they've really helped you step into a whole new side of your business, of your life, in your relationships, etc. Yeah, so six months ago was February or January. Mm. And so that's actually when I first decided to host my first retreat. So talk about getting uncomfortable. I actually was super uncomfortable. That was a super uncomfortable thing for me to do. I wanted to run retreats for a really long time, maybe three years. I had this vision of me with a group of people. I didn't know what I was doing, but I had this picture in my mind of me being in this grassy knoll, handing out papers. And I don't know what it meant. I don't know what I meant. Is that how you say that? Yeah, okay. that sounds legit. Why did that not sound right when I said that? <laughs> words uh, are weird. <laughs> words can be weird. Um, and this tends to happen throughout my life where I have this picture of what could be. And I've had these pictures come to fruition, whether it's three months later, years later. So I don't know if this is some sort of like clair, what do they call it, clairsentient, when you can, mm. is that what it is, when you can I've, see things? Yeah, it sounds like um, <laughs> But it's funny because six months ago, the reason I got the confidence to host a retreat, and this is a weird reason to get confidence from this, is I met with a psychic. Mm. And she told me about my past life and she said to me, oh, travel must be force fed down your throat this past year, huh? And I was like, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I feel attacked, but how do you know that? (laughs) Yeah, because me and you have been traveling consistently a few times a month. I'm pretty sure we had traveled. I think we had already gone to Oregon twice in a few months, California a few times. We went to Mexico, all these places. Mm. And I had never been that kind of person who travels a lot. Maybe once a year I travel or twice. And so when she said that, I was like, she got my attention. And then she started saying a bunch of other things that were completely in line with my life, very specific. So it was really crazy when she would say them. And one thing she told me was my past life. And the way she described my past life was she said, you traveled around to a bunch of different cities and towns. You worked for a really wealthy family and you set up social institutions and schools and art schools and things like that. And she said, this past year, with throughout all your travels, you are meeting all of the wealthy and influential people you used to work with in your past life. Mm. And what was really interesting about her saying that is 
in the beginning of COVID, when we first started traveling, is that's who I was traveling to, is these people who inspired me. They were these coaches who had done amazing things. Um, we would, went to Mark England's house a few times, which was crazy to me because two years earlier, me and you had heard him on a podcast and I had always wanted to meet him, and now we were going to his house. Now it was normal. Now it was normal. <laughs> and so when she said I was going to re-meet all these wealthy, influential people I knew from my past life, I was like, spot on. I am meeting really cool people this mm. past year. And the leap I took from that was, hey, I have always wanted to run retreats, and if in my past life I set up social institutions and schools – I, you know, who says that I'm not going to be really good at this in this life? You're already set up for success. I already felt set up for success. And what she had said felt so real in my body that it gave me some sort of motivation to do it. Mm. And so I remember we were actually at Mark England's house at the time when I met with her. And so, you know, Mark's all about story work. He's all about writing things in past tense. So he said to me, if you want to have a retreat, you should write about it as if it had already happened a year ago. And so I was like, great idea. I sat down and first I vision casted how I wanted to feel. And I located where I'd want the feel, like where the feeling would be in my body, what it looked like, what it felt like. And then from that feeling, I wrote in past tense how my retreat went, who came, how much money I made, uh, the impact I had, the activities we did, where it was. And it's funny because when I said, where is my retreat, Asheville, North Carolina popped into my head. Mm. And I have never been to Asheville, North Carolina, but my mom went a few years ago and she said it was really cool. So I wrote that into my, <laughs> I wrote it into my manifestation because it just popped into my head first. And I was like, why not? And then I don't know. After I wrote about it in past tense, I read it to you. I read it to Mark. I read it to a bunch of other people in the house. I was actually calling up other friends and reading it to them as well. Mm. And by the, I don't know how many times I read it, by like the last time I read it, it felt so real that I couldn't imagine there being any other way. And I immediately went into planning it. And so I looked for Airbnbs in Nashville, immediately found this amazing Airbnb ended up talking to the Airbnb owner and we would talk for hours because me and him had so much in common. So to me, it felt even more in alignment where I was like, oh, this is right. I should be following this path. And yeah, I just went all in. I risked a lot of money on the house. I risked a lot because this is, I had gestured my business six months, months prior. Who's to say I'm going to get people to come to my retreat? But I got the whole thing filled, the whole thing built out within a month, basically, mm. and then just tweaked it for the next couple months until the retreat started. And it was one of, no, it was the most impactful, uh, rewarding thing I've ever done. I saw a woman change from the first day to the last day. And I believe the reason it was so impactful is because you and I have been basically going on consistent retreats all year. We were going on retreats and then traveling to meet up with other coaches, which hanging out with coaches is like a retreat in itself because we're constantly sharing each other's knowledge. Yeah. And so I just took all my favorite things that I had learned from coaching, from traveling, put it into the retreat and yeah, it was impactful just as I, mm. just as I wrote in my manifestation. And it was so impactful that Everyone there ended up staying, like forming such a good bond that we're still talking months later. The retreat was in April. It's July. Everyone's just as close now. We're all commenting on each other's things. And at the retreat, we did a manifestation process, a very similar one that I did for manifesting my first retreat. And I said I was manifesting my next retreat in Sedona, Arizona. And immediately... Half the women at that retreat signed up for the Sedona retreat. Um, I got home. We started planning the Sedona retreat. Uh, and in between that time, me and you actually went to another retreat. We went to an inner child healing retreat, mm. uh, training camp for the soul. Feelings camp. Yeah, yeah feelings camp. So I learned <laughs> a lot there as well. I learned a lot about my inner child, had a lot of a lot more perspective, um, shifts in perspective. And yeah, just started doing my Sedona retreat. And then there came a point where I, it was June and I had only sold the retreat spots that I had sold to my previous retreat comers. And I didn't know how I was going to get the other people to come to my retreat. And like in any business, you have ups and downs where you're like, Oh, I'm killing it. I'm doing awesome. This is my thing. And then yeah. 
when things feel a little slow, you feel like you're a failure, you're a loser, and you made a big mistake. And I had invested a lot more money into this Sedona retreat than I did the one before because I was coming off such a high. And so I started to freak out. And then I got to this point, I think it was like July 1st, beginning of July, where I said, Rachel, you can keep thinking this way. You can keep being afraid and you can keep doubting yourself and think it's not going to work out and start freaking out and thinking about ways you're going to make up for this. Or you can change your thinking around right now and you can start thinking about what you want to happen. And you can start thinking positively about this whole situation so it turns around. And so I had this like rock bottom moment where it was do or die. It was freak out and continue to freak out all summer or start thinking positively. And so I had been learning a lot about hypnotherapy. You know, me and you have been meditating for a long time. Mm. And meditation helps me, but I felt like there was a piece missing. And so... I got this intuitive hit in my head where I was like, okay, I understand how my manifestation process works. It's through me slowing down, through me getting low and slow with my breath, breathing in and feeling in what I want to manifest. So how can I take that a step further? I thought of hypnotherapy. So I decided to meditate for 20 minutes. And at the end of my meditation, I was going to visualize how my retreat went, how I wanted to feel, how abundant I felt, and all the other things that were going to be in my life as a result of me selling out my retreat. And after that first meditation, it's like it reset something in me. All of my fears that I had been feeling for the whole month before about not feeling it, about it not being amazing, and all these other things went away. And it was like the first time I manifested my retreat. All the hope came back. All the confidence came back. And I knew exactly how I wanted my retreat to go and exactly how I was going to get people. And what that meditation and visualization did is it hooked me on the fact of visualizing. And so I realized the more I did that meditation and visualization a day, the better I felt. And so I did that for... Only three days I did the meditation visualized three times a day for three days. And by the third day, I had filled another four spots. Mm. And then I just kept doing it and more people were interested, more spots getting uh, were getting filled mm. to the point where I was like, oh, my God, my manifestation process just got bumped up because – I had this process of writing in past tense, breathing it in, um, feeling it in your body. But now I see it's really working when I meditate and I visualize. And so that's where I am right now. I'm at this point where I've realized the power of visualization, but not just visualizing when you're in a normal state, Mm. visualizing when you're in a relaxed, calm state. Because a lot of people, they wonder why they have a hard time with affirmations. You say, I have, I'm a millionaire, but in the back of your head, you're like, your body's like, you're not a millionaire. And then you have that sinking feeling in your stomach. So what I found was, was meditating first allowed my body to not get in the way and, and negate my affirmation and actually allowed me to sink in that affirmation and then bring in what I actually want into my life. And so, yeah, we're almost filled with the retreat now. I only have a few spots left and what that visualization also did was it opened up all these opportunities to make my retreat better where not only was I filling my retreat faster, but all of a sudden I had all these other ideas, ideas for my retreat. So by the end of the week, I have all the faith in the world that this retreat is going to be even better than my last one and just amazing because I've up-leveled literally every part of it. And it came from me getting motivated from visualizing. Mm, I love that. And, you know, I wrote a crazy amount of notes over here. And so I'm going to go through them in order. One, I really want you to bring us through the full process of how you visualize. We went over like a lot of the parts right there. That being said, like, I know while bringing through like kind of like how I've been doing it, because, you know, you showed me a lot of ways that I adopted recently and I'll bring you through it and see if it's exactly similar to what you've been doing, because we've been talking about it. So I I believe in my my heart of hearts, they're going to line up, but I'm just curious. So, you know, the part that I've realized was the most powerful for me. Now, one of the things I also want to share with the listeners is that 
all of this works better when you're doing the quote unquote work yourself, right? So, you know, Rach and I have been getting to enjoy a lot of different programs, getting to really open ourselves up. And we're also very ready for this part of our life where, you know, we're okay with, you know, going back into childhood traumas and reliving them and moving through them, whatever. That's where we happen to be at, right? And so when you're moving through those kind of things, it's clearing out a lot of space. Think about you have a yard covered in weeds, right? And you want a garden. You're like, there's not much space to have a garden, right? But then if you spend time clearing out the weeds, you can then keep track of them in years to come and have a beautiful garden for years to come, right? So that's kind of how I look at where I'm at personally and where you're at and why I believe visualization is helping us so much. But the other thing that really helped me a lot was, and I don't know if it was you that said it or it was psychocybernetics that I was reading and maybe it was the same time, something clicked, right? <laughs> but I found that for me, the most challenging part was when I listened to Joe Dispenza, it's a lot of like, hey, meditate, visualize, right? And think about your future and feel the feeling you will feel when you've reached that goal, right? Say if it's like building a retreat, right? So you just look forward to that, that feeling. You picture like the smile on your face. You picture the smells in the air, right? And you attach yourself to that feeling. For me, that was challenging to do. What I like to do was actually what Psychocybernetics said, which was, Go back in your memory bank and find a time that you were genuinely very happy, right? High vibration, right? Whatever you want to attribute that to. Happiness, euphoria, excitement, whatever, right? A high vibe state. And then really focus on the brunt of your quote-unquote work being done right there. 20, 30 minutes really focusing on that memory until you can feel the feeling as if it's happening to you again right then. Then you move forward into visualizing, like, okay, now what is it I want to create? And you come from that high vibe spot. So you therefore bring that high vibration with you in your visualization process. And then it's much easier to think about certain things and attach that high vibration to them. And then after you get out of your meditation visualization, you're still high vibe. You went back, you connected to that feeling, you brought it forward and thought about a lot of things. Then you read out your manifestation when you're still in that high vibe state of exactly what you want. Maybe you saw yourself doing, you know, four different retreats in your visualization and you're like, okay, uh, the next one's going to be Sedona though. Okay. So my manifestation that I'm going to write about this time is going to be talking about Arizona and Sedona and these things, right? And maybe a future manifestation will include some of the other things I saw. So it's kind of like the stepping stone process that I found that with your help and with the help of psychocybernetics and, and just like connecting some dots, right? Like one of the things I also want to relate to the listeners is that I've been learning about visualization for years, right? And it just shows that the more open-minded you can stay, the better you're going to be able to embody and complete things like visualization and things that are a little bit more far out there, right? Because in my experience, our intellectualism is a challenge when it comes to things like visualization. Because I know for me, it was like, oh, perfect. My mind and ego were like, we can figure this out, right? But it's not really a job for that tool. So it really took allowing myself to get calm and present through a lot of meditation. Like I'm talking two hours a day of meditation, which my logical self is always like, I don't have time for that, right? This doesn't exist. I can't do that. All these stories, right? When I finally decided, screw it, I'll do that. All of a sudden, all these things that I thought I knew, quotation marks, became actual direct experiences that I then knew because I experienced the feeling. And so I'm curious if your manifestation process is same, same, like you're going back to attach to a feeling before you go forward, or if you're just able to go right forward and feel that feeling like Joe talks about. It could depend on the person, but for me, I have a lot of moving forward in my life of getting more and more positive where a lot of my past, I did not have joyous, positive feelings. Um, there's a reason I got <laughs> into self-development so heavily. I was looking to find moments of happiness, moments of joy, moments of success. And I would, be I believe the reason I say my last retreat was the most impactful thing that's ever happened to me um, or that I've ever done is because I had, that was the first time I ever felt so much joy, so much happiness, so much fulfillment in my life. If I even think back to college, I got good grades and all of these things, but I didn't feel that sense of joy and fulfillment. Mm. And I believe it's because I've been learning to tap more and more into my body. And for so much of my, my life, I lived in my head and I didn't really have positive memories to go back to. If anything, my positive memories had been building as I had been getting older and they had only been getting stronger. So 
when you actually told me about that, that looking back to a previous memory, I'm pretty sure like a week ago you told me about that. Mm. I decided to try that by using my previous retreat and using that feeling. And I would say the previous retreat, if I use that feeling, it did help. Mm. And I actually, for me personally, am a fan of dreaming and looking forward. And the re- and it, I would say that depends on the person. I am really good at daydreaming. Um, and it could have got, maybe I'm really good at it because my sleep's a little off. And so I'm constantly alternating between daydreaming and being asleep at night or in stuff like that. I just tend to, I tend to daydream a lot and get immersed into my daydreams. So if I'm thinking forward, if I'm imagining all these things and how I want to feel, um, most of my imagining is coming from looking forward and imagining what I would feel like if I had all of these things. Mm. And the more I get into the daydream, the better I feel because it's almost like the daydream opens up different avenues for me. So when I first started daydreaming about Sedona, I was daydreaming. I had an image in my head of all of us like in this dirt red like looking area and it was a full moon. I planned my retreat around the full moon. Mm. I had this vision before I planned my retreat, but as I was building the retreat, I saw it and then I was daydreaming about different things. I was daydreaming about us going into the water. There's a pond at the house and bathing in the water and doing a water ceremony to wash off our emotions. Then as I was daydreaming about how amazing that went, more ideas popped into my head. So I would say my daydreams are almost like like spider webs that kind of get bigger and bigger as I think of different parts of them. And then the feeling builds. Mm. And here's the thing is I'm actually envisioning a better, an even better feeling than at my last retreat. My last mm. retreat, I cried every day. <laughs> I was so happy. So, but I imagine this to just intensify the feeling because I'm feeling even more solid in my work. I'm feeling more fulfilled. I feel more confident too, because it's my second retreat. So there, the feeling is different actually that I'm manifesting. Mm. It's, it's bigger, it's mm. grander, it's more secure. Mm. And I could see what you're talking about, how looking back can be helpful if people have really positive memories, if they're having a hard time tapping into it right now. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And what I love that we just laid out was that, hey, maybe, soft talk acknowledged, maybe there's more than one way to successfully visualize. And maybe just like diet or sleep or any of the other things, it's dependent on the individual, right? And so what I love that we just laid out was like, hey, Here are two similar but also different ways to try to go about this visualization thing, right? Because I think, speaking for myself, when I hear people like Joe Dispenza, what a unit, right? Like talk about uh, visualization, I'm like, well, that must be how it is. So if I'm doing something different, it must not work, right? And of course, that's not Joe's story he's putting out there. That's how I'm taking it, right? You know, what I noticed was I definitely get exactly where you're coming from and that awareness of your ability to daydream because i know like your relationship with sleep if it was a facebook relationship would be it's complicated right (laughs) and so having that special power to be able to daydream in that big way as a result of that right like what a great gift to receive on the other side of a challenging gift you know the whole sleep thing (laughs) and so you know it's really interesting because for me i'm using the fire from the night before the embers to start the new fire And you're just like, I can start a new fire. No problem. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm taking like the feeling from last time and then taking that and being like, okay, that's where I left off. Now, how much better can I make it? And you're just being like, let's just go for it. Let's just throw paint on canvas and get that feeling out. And I know that it will come out. And you've been very successful in doing that. So it's it's very interesting how those differ. And they both reach the same conclusion, which is an elated state, right? A high vibrational state. And that's what I feel the real power and impact of manifestation is, right? What I've come to realize is that if you could boil everything in the universe down, it just comes to whatever you believe you become, right? And even furthermore, really all that matters to me is keeping myself high vibrational, you know, in a high vibe state and noticing throughout the day what will bring me down and why. And and this is something I wanted to chat about too, because I know you go through it too. And it's how the victim mentality can sneak into your life, right? And trust me, like coaching people on the victim mindset, you know, having escaped many forms of it myself and seeing how it shows up in like the most obvious ways, like, you know, oh, this is always happening to me or things like that. But when I became aware of all that, it got sneakier because it knew I was looking for all those things. So what it would feel like is drops in energy, right? With no idea why, right? I would maybe something would happen. And I'd get a little stressed out and I wouldn't even consciously think like, oh, this is always happening to me or things like that. 
but the energy signature that was attached to whatever thoughts were in my subconscious was very like very similar to that. And so I'm just curious if you've had similar things and what are some cues or, you know, symptoms or signs to watch out for that maybe you might be being too hard on yourself and falling into the victim mentality in your life. Okay, so this is a realization I've had recently, and this is goes off a conversation even you and I had where I've had, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, at some mm-hmm. point, this big mental shift I've had recently mm-hmm. around controlling things, controlling people, controlling controlling anything. I used to control my diet, and now I find food, food freedom, and I understand how good it feels not to control my diet mm-hmm. and how good I can actually feel by not doing that. So I've noticed any time... I slip into a victim mentality is when I slip into the control freak version of me again, Mm. because if I'm calling myself a victim, it's because I believe by some thing that I, the way I'm controlling things is resulting in me having a negative effect. If that makes sense. Like Mm. there's something I'm doing that is making the problem is just, I am not controlling good enough. Not that there's anything. It's just, I'm not controlling this good enough. And that's why I feel like this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, Oh, Rachel, you're stupid. You're too lazy. You're too this. And so, uh, you're too boring. All of these things that I don't feel in control of. I've noticed that me trying to control things and me feeling like a victim Mm. come at the same time. Mm. Because when I feel like a victim, I start controlling and the anxiety builds. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll just work extra hard. Oh, well, I'll just do this. I'll people please. (laughs) I'll uh, get mad at this person for not being here at this certain time because – I'm a victim now and I need to control this. And like, that's me asserting my control. So I see victimhood and controlling behaviors actually being together. If that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. How I think for me, what I've noticed is that what, you know, we learn is the victim mentality is actually much wider than what we learned. Like, you know, in just coaching, right? Because really the victim mentality comes into other things. Like for instance, if I control a lot, Chances are, like what you noticed, if I'm controlling a lot, chances are I'm putting myself as the victim and being like, well, it must be that I'm not doing this good enough. That's That might be why this person didn't come to my retreat or this person didn't buy my program or whatever, right? When in reality, it's just another shade, another flavor of the same exact thing, which is the victim mindset, the victim mentality. And the reason I bring this up is because, you know, like you said, you've had a lot of new awareness gained, right? And what, you know, I know... That whenever I listen to that on a podcast, like, oh, I have, I've gained a lot of awareness. I'm immediately like, fuck, like, how do I gain a lot of awareness? And so for those listening who are like me and are immediately like feeling FOMO or uh, anything like that about like how they can get new awareness, it's actually looking at your life much simpler than you're probably looking at it already, right? Because however you've gotten into the seat you're in, right? If this is a challenging seat you're in right now, it came from a certain way of thinking. And like Albert Einstein said, you can't get through a problem with the same level of thinking that created it, right? And so it might be time to, once again, get out of your normal mindset, right? Like meditate more, do breath work, do things like that, that are going to allow you to look at life, look at yourself, look at your patterns, look at just results you're getting for the first time. And that's like a great spot to start at for anyone listening. If you're, if you're curious if any of these things apply to you, just think about when you're feeling not good, right? Negation acknowledge. When you're feeling like down, when you're feeling, and then think about what thoughts are coming up, correlations in what gets you there, and start drawing some patterns because guarantee whatever is actually going on there is way less complicated and way easier to figure out than your mind is trying to make it for you. Yeah. And to even like add on to that or to even use an example, the awareness that I'm talking about is realizing I used to think that I was setting boundaries for myself. Like, for example, in our relationship, Mm -hmm. I thought that the boundaries that I or what I was speaking to you were boundaries for me, for our relationship. But they actually were me attempting to control you. Mm. So that was a big aha moment. And we got that from, uh, we did this bioresonance test where it tested all of our emotions. And one of the emotions that it tested in my DNA, because it can test emotions that stem from your ancestors, was megalomania, which I am not, I don't think I typically act like a person who has <laughs> megalomania. Yeah. Yeah. But what that 
reflected on to me. And this it's funny because this is something I actually had questioned in myself anytime I would get upset if you couldn't hang out and I wanted to spend more time with you or anything that was, you know, controlling in a way like, no, we are mm-hmm. not spending up time. We need to spend more mm-hmm. time together. Or, no, we need to do this because this is the way I like it. Mm-hmm. Or no, and, like anytime some, I'd get mad over those things, part of me would question, is this me? is this okay that I'm saying this or is is this me setting a boundary? And what I did was convince myself that it was setting boundaries. Mm. My boundary was no in relationship. I need to hang out this many days. And if I don't, that's not the relationship I want. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a boundary or like Mm. a a value in some way. But in reality, that's me controlling the other person because we're not the same person. And what I came to realize when I found out megalomania was in my bloodline (laughs) was that, I was being selfish. Like that megalomania was showing in my control freak nature Mm. and me thinking that I know the right answers, me thinking I know best. And Mm. so whatever I think is the way it should be. And that was super eye opening for me. And then I had a conversation with you about it and I realized, I just realized that that's what it was. And so it was easy too. like, it was like, (laughs) Oh, like I remember when we had the conversation, it was like, but I was like, oh, that's it. And you were like, yeah, that's it. All right, cool. All right, awesome. And yeah. I was just like, it was <laughs> it was just very interesting, you know? Yeah, I asked yeah. you if you feel this way because that's what I had drummed up from learning. I had megalomania in my line. This is that for like 24 hours. It was a very fast you transition. It. Yeah. it was the fastest <laughs> shift in, in awareness and yeah. uh, habit change I've ever done. And you were like, yeah, that I do feel that way. And so being confirmed that someone feels that way when I already uh, think that I'm doing – a suspicion. I already had a suspicion I was yeah. acting in a way. You know, when you get something confirmed that is not easy to hear, you could do two things. You can change <laughs> – or you can continue to live in the story that feels horrible. The victim mentality. The victim mentality. Yeah. And so I shifted it. And I just remember even thinking the next day, I'm not going to do this anymore. My boundaries, if I have a boundary for myself, my boundary is I go to bed at nine and I'm not going to let Ryan convince me to stay up past nine. That's which a boundary. Which like, you try to. But that's a boundary for me. <laughs> and then allowing you to do whatever you want. So if you want to go on a bike ride with your friend, even if we hadn't like hung out in weeks, mm-hmm. that is your thing. I'm giving you the freedom to, uh, you have the freedom to do that. Mm. And that is no place for me to set a boundary. Mm. We have to give each other our freedom. And yeah, that's... We get to give each other we our get, freedom. We get you know? to give each other yeah. our freedom. Yeah. But yeah, that was a huge shift in perspective for me. And the funniest part is, is I thought that by saying, no, we need to hang out more, that was going to make my life better, more comfortable. But really, I felt miserable. And the second I started giving you this freedom and mm. not projecting my wants and desires onto you and making it your problem, I got happier. Yeah. And it was shocking to me. I I felt more free by giving you more freedom. Well, you know what it was too? I can I can speak to what I think that might be, right? It was it was you telling yourself like I got me. Like I don't need anyone else to make me feel this feeling of like validation or this feeling of being loved or anything. Like I can show myself that. And what you were able to do is realize like this feeling I'm feeling that's not actually coming from what I think it's coming from, right? This whole, like, we need to hang out more, any of these things. It was actually coming from, like, from that control, right? And and I had a very similar thing when I was a kid. I remember my my father would would say this to me because, like, you know, he would want to, like, just do something spontaneously, right? And I'd be like, no, like, this is what I had laid out for my day. Like, I can't. And he'd be like, if you try to plan out your whole day like that, you're going to be really disappointed in life because life just happens, right? And I remember that feeling so uncomfortable and now it's like in my life now some point i don't exactly know when the shift happened where i became way more free it happened over the last couple years but i love like especially like one of my favorite parts about going to mark's house or going on our adventures is the spontaneity of it right is throwing the routine to the wind and going with it right and when you try to control right ultimately what ends up happening is you give yourself a if this then that type way of living right well okay i'll be happy if this happens If we hang out enough, if, 
XYZ, whatever, right? If I sell 10 courses, right, then I'll be happy, right? You never want to give yourself that because it's a quite an interesting spell to put on yourself. Like you're basically telling yourself you're not allowed to be happy until this happens, right? And it needs to happen in the way that I see it happening, right? Which the mind is a servile mechanism, right? It works as a goal-oriented uh, mechanism. And so what that means is that when you give the mind a goal, right? I want to sell 10 courses. You got to get the fuck out of the way after that and let the universe figure out how it's going to give you those 10 courses. It could do it by like what happened to me this week, flooding your basement and giving you more time to go hang out in a coffee shop or something like that. And you meet someone and all of a sudden, boom, you have this conversation. This guy's like, Hey, I own a farm. I'd love to, you know, put people through your course. This is a cannabis course I'm talking about, but like, you know, you never know how it's going to happen. And so set the vision, have the desired, I mean, the perceived control of like, this is what I want to happen. And then fully take a step back know the things that you need to do. Like, for instance, like, you know, these are the things I need to do to market my course, blah, 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 whatever. And then let it happen. Let it rip as the universe wants. It's so funny you say that because I've been noticing the reflection of like control, letting go of control in every area of my life and how in areas where I had control and then learn to let go of it, how much happier I am. One was with food. One is in my relationships with people. And I would say this other one is with visualizing things I want to bring into my life with my business. And it was exactly what you just said. The reason visualizing works so well is because my mind wanted to control the how, how I would get more clients, Mm. how my retreat was going to be funded all the way, Mm -hmm. how this, how that, and my mind would end up in this loop of hows and options and possibilities and it would get nowhere it was a loop it would just Mm. keep going and going and going and it was because i was so in my head at that point from thinking so much when you're thinking and trying to control you're trapped in your head and your head is never going to figure out the answer it is what it is it's going to keep you in a loop the only thing you're doing is drumming up more anxiety and in getting you further from the truth so yeah more cars in the traffic jam (laughs) Exactly. So when I started visualizing, I did the same thing that happened when I found food freedom, when I was able to let go in relationships. By visualizing, by tapping into the feeling and following the feeling, the feeling opened up all these other opportunities and ideas for things that I could do. And so I had clarity on what I wanted to do throughout the day. And then somehow the energy that was within me, the energy that was within the things that I was doing attracted people to just sign up, even though I wasn't intentionally like thinking, I need to get people to sign up. I need to do this. I was literally just focusing on the feeling. Yes. And through the feeling, it opened up doors and opportunities. Just like when I found freedom with food, I focus on the feeling of how I want to feel when I eat certain foods, how I'm going to feel after it, how I feel before. And I use the feeling to decide what to eat as opposed to the thinking mind of this has so many calories. This is this. I should really eat more of this today. I tap into the feeling, not the composition the thoughts of how you're gonna get there yeah how i'm gonna get there yeah and this is a really good point in this episode because i guarantee right and if you're out there like no no fault to you right because i am the same way there are some people probably listening right now like this sounds completely bullshit right and how does this make any sense right i hear about this visualization thing but it doesn't make any sense right i've learned my whole life that to get things you have to work for them right the one thing i want to say to you is that you've gotten half the equation. Really what we're talking about here is how different parts of your mind and brain work, right? You have the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. The left one is what we've been talking about trying to use with no avail, right? With failure, which is it's your calculator brain. It's your number one brain, right? So it can be great at like, for instance, when you figure out where it's good at, you got to go do some bank stuff. Awesome. It's great there. You got to maybe schedule out your plans for the day. Awesome. Great. Right. But when it comes to creating a vision and how you want to feel and all these things that are more qualitative in nature, it's not the right tool for the job. It's like taking a hammer when you need a screwdriver, right? It's just not the right tool. It doesn't mean it's a bad tool. It just means it's not the right tool. And so one of the things I've really gotten into is the fact that for anyone listening, who's, who's starting to like, be like, okay, I kind of get where, where they're going with this. Let me, let me ask you this question. I bet that you love someone in your life but you can't show me how many units of love you have for that person compared to another person, right? That's because that's what's called a qualitative measure of science, which 
personally, where science and spirituality intersect is where quantitative science, aka science, and qualitative science, aka spirituality, the things that aren't measurable by a normal human scale, intersect. And that is where really the world is moving. And that's why a lot of these things seem like you have to surrender to actually understand them, right? If you've ever meditated once and broken through and you've got somewhere, you don't know how, and immediately your number one mind starts trying to quantify it. Okay, let's figure out how we got there. What do we have in our system? Do we drink coffee? We didn't drink coffee. Okay, how many, how much sleep did we get? It starts trying to figure out everything, right? And that's what it does great. At the same time though, it's just, do you want to use that tool or do you want to get it out of the way by doing your meditation and visualization and letting the right brain do what it does, right? Which is not talked about a lot in our society, especially Western society. This is where the Eastern philosophies really thrive, right? Is understanding this right brain is extremely beneficial and crucial in feeling your experience of life and being present and all these things you hear about that are like, how do you help you quantify that? You know, so I wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. And also, if you want to get an idea of what we're even talking about by tapping into the feeling, all of a sudden I'm going to know what to do. Here is actually something a lot of people will be able to relate with. Have you ever drinking like a good cup of coffee or taken some sort of like energy drink or something that like gave you a lot of energy and then you're with your friends and all of a sudden you're jumping off the wall and then all of a sudden all these ideas come to you like, yeah, guys, and we could do this. And like all of a sudden you have all these creative ideas flow in and you guys have a grand time because this coffee or whatever got you in this high vibe state. A plant medicine, right? And that's in that yeah, sense. Yeah. So that's an example of why visualizing the feeling will open up a lot more doors and allow you to attract what you want is because you are not only just feeling in a high vibe state where if you see someone like really high vibe and fun, of course, you're going to want to go to you flock to them like mm -hmm. bugs to a light. But also it allow it opens up all these doors of possibilities to you because you are in that high vibe state. So I would actually argue that if you drink a cup of coffee and that or whatever gets you into that happy mm. happiness, like a nootropic or something, mm -hmm. that could actually help give you an idea of what it feels like to tap into the feeling and then manifest from the feeling. Yeah. And great point because, you know, this is one of the things that I had a lot of challenge with. You know, I stopped drinking caffeine and coffee because honestly, you know, I've done a lot of things in my life for health reasons and all this stuff. Personally, like I love coffee. Like I love the taste of it. I love the routine of it. I love the ritual of it. That being said, caffeine for me just kind of stopped working. Right. And that could, you know, again, that's, that's my own personal journey. Right. What I found was, you know, giving myself more grace, right, to flow throughout my day with things that maybe otherwise I would have been like, no, with my own analytical mind. Right. So what that looks like is, Stopping my intermittent fasting a little bit in the morning because I want to be able to get in that high vibe state and stay there, right? So maybe that means uh, drinking some cacao with some mud water in it with all these functional mushrooms and hitting a bag of hemp. Yeah, that's and, your version. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. your version so, of coffee. Yeah, exactly. So, so, <laughs> so the reason I mention it is because like I 100% agree with what Rachel said and like think about this in any way you want, right? Maybe coffee's not your thing. Maybe it is your thing, right? And you're like, boom, okay, I get it now, right? But one of the best pieces of advice I heard from a mutual friend of ours who's going to be coming on both our podcasts soon was, you know, he looked right at me and he said, within reason, I don't give myself any limits when it comes to getting in my high vibe state every day. Whatever it takes to get there, I'm going to do. Now, that also comes from a place of knowing that you can handle yourself and also knowing that you're not going to go off the handle, you know, drinking or something like that, right? These are obviously when it comes to when you get into a routine where you're meditating and you're doing breath work and you're, you know, drinking high vibe coffee and high vibe water and, and you're the things you're doing to elevate yourself are all coming from a place of really a lot of abundance, right? Like clean water, clean quality coffee, clean kratom, clean whatever, right? There comes a point where, yes, you can set yourself very strict parameters and I've done that and continue to do it in some way, shape or form, right? There might be a Wednesday, like for instance, for me, I don't interact with cannabis throughout the weeks. And, and that's something I've been doing for the past couple of years. It's been working out great. That being said, the universe doesn't understand Wednesday as opposed to Sunday, right? So there might be a time where I feel a call like, hey, this is a time to drop in and interact with some cannabis and get a download, right? If I'm too rigid in that, then I don't allow myself to have that gift, right? And I don't allow myself the grace of, hey, flowing, right? More feminine energy. At the same time, though, if I'm making up these these feelings all the time, you know, then I can get myself back into habitual use and all this stuff. And so 
I imagine everyone listening to this has some understanding, especially if you listen to podcasts like this, some understanding of like what your limits are, right? You know, like, okay, I know that if I drink two cups of coffee or less per day, I can sleep okay. And as long as I drink them before 3 p.m., I'm good, right? That's your limit, right? So within that reason, right, between nine, you know, or six in the morning and three in the afternoon, experiment, right? Drink a cup of coffee and then, you know, do some breath work after, right? Or drink a cup of coffee and then meditate. And then when you wake up, the coffee's kicked in, right? Whatever weird thing, just experiment a lot and figure out what it takes to get yourself there. And it might change day to day, but you'll find some process that can get you there more often than not. You don't. And the thing is, is eventually you won't even need those things during the day. I used to think that I would take the supplement called Kratom. It's a nootropic. Mm. I used to think that I need to take Kratom all day to be in a high vibe state or I need to do this. But what visualizing has done for me is it's allowed meditating and then visualizing doing that specifically is it allowed my body to get calm enough so that when I bring in the high vibe I want to feel, I can remember it and that almost acts like coffee. So when I get out of the meditation, I'm super inspired. And then the more I've done it, the more I know how to tap back into that feeling. And I, that's one of the reasons why in the beginning I was doing it three times a day because it was almost training myself to get back into that feeling. But the more you do it, as you do that day in and day out and you train yourself to get into that feeling, eventually that feeling starts to stick in your body a little Mm. bit more where you're like, I am this person. You start acting more like that person and it allows you every time you want to, you get out of the feeling, Every time something trips you out, take a breath, breathe in and feel into your visualization again, and it brings you right back up. And so mm. that is the way I've actually seen the manifestation start coming to fruition is getting myself the feeling first, but then practicing it throughout the day. And every time something comes up and tries to knock it out, going back in. You know what I just got as a download, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about downloads. And something that I've thought about a lot is that uh, I've had a very similar thing be happening to me, right? Where it takes less and less time and I don't need anything necessarily to get myself there. Sometimes I enjoy getting there quicker and I'm like, this cup of cacao, I put an intention. I'm like, when I'm done with this cup of cacao on the other side of this cup, I am going to be fully connected to myself and I'm going to be getting the most hilarious downloads from the universe, right? And it's really fun to create those intentions because we are the creator, right? It's what all the Eastern philosophies say. And when you drop into this kind of stuff, you can start being like, okay, I get this a little more, right? So what I've discovered, and this is my theory on it, right? It might not be my theory, but it's my own understanding of it, is that the number one mind, right? The, the ego and all those things, right? They they have been our, our most common operating system, right? Uh, we've been praised for our intellect, for all these things that have made the number one mind just take over, right? And so the number one mind has a big personality, right? And it, and it knows, right, what works, quote unquote. Now we're inviting this new mind to start turning online. And it has all these interesting ideas, right? Think about like hippies versus like the workers, right? It's like, hey, man, you just got to feel free love. And the mind's like, fuck that. That's not going to pay the bills, right? Even though it will, right? But it's the one mind doesn't trust it, right? So then we meditate. We use things like kratom or caffeine or whatever in theory to get ourselves into that full right brain state. So the number one mind can say, all right, you know what? Yeah, actually, when you spend that hour meditating, you do get more stuff done. I, I, it doesn't make any sense, but you know, we're, we're looking at the track record here and yeah, you're getting more stuff done and we look better, right? And we like looking better because what is the ego like? It likes making you feel good, right? It's looked at as the enemy and a lot of times it's not the fucking enemy. No part of you is the enemy. All it is is a part of you that you can train to all of a sudden get with the times, right? And be like, then, and then what you're talking about is after a while, the second you slip out of it, the ego is even like, Hey, right brain, can you come help us out? Like we need some help over here. And then you hop back in and then the ego is just surrendering faster and faster because it knows because it has actual quantifiable data to look at to say hey you know what rachel is better when she actually does this stuff every day you know it doesn't make any sense we you know we thought that she should be working 12 hour days but it looks like when she does six and she spends three of that visualizing she gets more done we don't get it but it's working we can't argue with that you know yeah and you end up feeling a lot better and once you start seeing the results it just gives you motivation to do it constantly you're just like oh my god this is fun i'm gonna keep doing this i'm gonna go all the time yes it's fun that's the perfect way to put it it becomes fun as hell like i love my meditation i love my breath work like it is like six-year-old getting a playstation one on christmas morning fun for me 
Yeah, and it's like getting it's almost like getting validated from the universe that what you're doing is worth is working and you're changing. And you know, at my last retreat, we did the manifestation process and majority of the women who did the process, it's now a couple months later have manifested what that what they had done and a lot of them were like this is the first time I've manifested something so quickly. This thing's amazing. And I see it working in twofold. The reason why so many of them got what was in their manifestation is one is because when they wrote the manifestation, they were in a high vibe state. We were at a retreat. We were in flow. We were doing a bunch of inner work, a bunch of activities to connect with our soul. So it's just things become more clear. Like you can access your intuition more. You can access what feels right more. And then I'm giving people the space to dive in and write it out. But two was when you're manifesting from your intuition, when you're manifesting from clarity, from meditating, being in a flow state, being uh, in a high vibe state, it's actually something that you're capable of. And the funny thing is, is we all read our manifestations to one another. And every woman who read their manifestation, we all could feel that they already had it. Mm. And it was because we had seen their high vibe state. We and we saw what they were capable of by seeing them in a high vibe state, feeling their energy. And so the women were validated by other people supporting them so much, mm. feeling that they could actually do it. And it's that collective support that makes you believe it even more. And I believe that's what happens even on your own is people start coming to you and flocking to you all of a sudden. And it's internal validation, but also that external validation that allows you to keep going. And so that's why I believe group manifesting can be even like so, so powerful. Yeah. And, you know, this is why, especially in the coaching world, you hear things like add play into your schedule, right? But but to me, like I hear that and I'm like, okay, I know that makes logical sense, right? I know there's something... But there's just this thing in me that's like, no, but I, I can't give myself this opportunity to play, right? If someone had come to me and said, hey, you know that feeling when you go get a haircut and you've got a great workout in and you have like a really awesome song on and you just feel on top of the world? That's the feeling that people love more than you sitting in front of a computer eight hours a day trying to get stuff done, right? If you do podcasts, if you, you know, post less, but every time you post, you're coming from that place, you're going to absolutely crush it, right? Then I would understand why things like play are so important, right? Because what can play be? Play can be your exercise. Play can be your, your wandering around. Play can be your spontaneity, right? It's whatever allows you to feel cooler and better about yourself. And this is where the ego can help us out, right? Because maybe you've been wanting to take guitar lessons for a long time, right? But you're too busy, quote unquote, right? And so logically, it, yeah, like I, you know, I shouldn't be taking guitar lessons. I'm making a business. I shouldn't be spending money, all these things, right? But you feel a call in your heart. That there's something there, right? Then finally, one day you answer it, right? And after about two months of playing guitar, I know this because I've gone through this. After two months of playing guitar, you play the first song that sounds like a real song and you get fucking elated and you're on a cloud nine, like no one's business, right? Then you can go into any like sales call or anything from that energy and wing that shit and you will do fucking great because you're coming from that high vibe state and what... I know is very hard to put in the words and quantify for the number one brain for anyone listening who's feeling this is that when you're in that state, like again, I do it with podcasts, right? Like when I'm in this high vibe state, I don't need to write on an interview. I write down a couple of talking points and then we just go. I mean, that's exactly what we've done today, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's realizing that you deserve this state. This is what your birthright is, right? Like this state where you feel elated, that can be you all the time. And so all you need to do is listen to what's coming from your heart and imagine you're a kid that's spinning around, right? And after a while, you get dizzy. That's like what most of us are doing. We're spinning around without stopping for a second every time in between, like every couple of seconds to go, am I too dizzy? So then eventually something like a sickness or something hits us and we fall down and the world is spinning and we can't make sense of anything, Right. And on the other side of that, if you learn to, hey, you can still spin around, right? You can still go for the rat race and go have fun, right? And go crush it and get business stuff and material stuff. That's all well and good, right? But every couple seconds, give yourself some time to slow down and go, am I getting too dizzy or can I manage this? And those are the times like we were talking about going within, meditating, doing breath work, hanging out with your friends and playing Can Jam or Uno, right? Hitting some bags if you're a cannabis lover, uh, going to a retreat. Yeah, dancing, you know, any of these things. 
so important, so valuable. And that's what I love about what you're doing with your retreats and what I love about retreats in general, you know, is that you're really allowing these women to have that experience, right? And to be able to become the leaders of their communities, right? Because that's what's happening. You're you're helping leaders turn on so they can go help lead because that's the world we live in right now. We need leaders. Yeah, and it's really funny because from you and I traveling around the country and attending retreats, that's how I got a lot of my clients actually throughout my whole business is from traveling. And it's because we are always in this play state. Play is like your natural form of coffee, your natural Mm. cacao that you do. Mm. And at my retreat, we had a lot of coaches there, people who had their own business, almost like I would say half of them got clients from that retreat. And it's because... It's the same reason I got clients from attending retreats. It's because we're all in a high vibe state. We see each other's pureness. We see each other's like highest selves when we're in our a play state. Mm. And it's from there that you attract more opportunities and friends and abundance. So mm. I totally agree. Yeah. You know, I want to make sure that I give you time to plug where your where your retreat is going to be, how to get in touch with you. I mean, you have so many things you're offering. I believe you're actually creating. Are you still creating a course too? Is that coming to fruition, or is that top secret for right now? You know, we can keep it top secret. It's okay. But yes. I want to give you time to plug all the stuff you have going on. Tell people where they can find you, and really any finishing thoughts you have on this subject. Anything else? Anything you want the listeners to take home with them and be able to try out? Go for it. So my course is not a thing right now. It's constantly in the works. It's a dream. I have <laughs> I have things that stay in dreamland until it feels right. But it's your it, next manifestation. It's you know? I don't even know if it's my next one. Yeah. I'm still waiting for it to feel right. It's just an it's just an idea right now. It's in the chopping uh, block. Yeah. It's in the chopping block. I tend to act on things where I get a full bodied yes from a mm. full bodied like I need to do this. It's so fun. I am expanding, mm. and so the things that I'm expanding on right now that feel so fun are my Sedona retreat, which is next, that I'm so excited for. I have four amazing facilitators. To me, the experience itself matters than any of the money I make than anything else. I just want the experience to be so amazing. And so I have my friend Kim, who's a health coach. She cooks healthy, nourishing meals all day. And we have an emphasis on intuitive eating and food freedom. Because like we said in the beginning of this episode, once I let go of control around food, my life got infinitely better. I loved my body so much more. I loved everything, just food so much more, everything. Um, we have an energy worker and holistic wellness coach too, Leah, who's going to be hosting some really amazing, um, she's going to be doing body work, energy work, and doing some really fun facilitated workshops, which are, are so unique and are going to be exceptionally transformational. I'm so excited about that. And then we have Shira, who is our yoga tarot and astrology coach, and she teaches yoga every morning. She does different styles. She was a yoga teacher in Boston for 10 years, and she infuses yoga, uh, tarot, and astrology into her yoga classes. Mm. So they're so fun, and they add a spiritual flair so, yeah, I'm so excited for Sedona. I just can't stop talking about it because also mm. the house I got is amazing. <laughs> it's 12,000 square feet, has a beautiful lake. We're going to just so many amazing things. So that you can find that on my Instagram. If you go to at Rachel underscore Veritimos in my link tree, there is the landing page for that. And then I, the other thing that my body is expanding over right now, and is, I get really excited more and more about it every day, is my new podcast that I started And I'm really excited about this podcast because my dream with it is to really showcase to people how people have transformed to A to B so people understand what the path can look like, what it takes, what feelings it takes to motivate you so that they in turn can apply what they learn from others into their own life and transform from A to B. So my podcast is A to B with Rachel V and it's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Buzzsprout right now. And yeah, that's just been super exciting to me. I've been literally so excited to find guests for it. I've been so excited to interview for it. And I have two episodes up right now. I'm sure I'll have more by the time you air this. And yeah, that is the two things that are expansive for me right now. Hell yeah. And for anyone curious about any of, I I believe all your facilitators have been on my podcast. Leah, Shira, uh, Kim. Yeah. Yeah. So for anyone who's wanting to do a deep dive more into what Rachel's talking about, because she has some legitimate units, not to mention she is a legitimate unit herself, facilitating this retreat. And one of the most powerful pieces of advice I can give anyone is when you're going to a retreat, 
make sure the people there can handle and hold space for you, right? And the people that Rachel has facilitating with her are the most gangster of gangster at facilitating and holding space and, and making sure that the experience is one in which you are given room to transform, but also support when you need to, to be able to have that transformation happen. And that is the most important thing. So you're doing great, babe. I love it. (laughs) So I'm honestly so proud of the retreat. I'm like, uh, I'm just so excited. And I'm proud of you. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So guys, I've known Rachel for the past four years when she first stole my heart at the dispensary we both worked at. Throughout that time, she has transformed more times than one in her mission of not only reaching her potential, but also in having the most fun possible doing it. Her ability to connect with those she works with and bring people together is the medicine that I believe the world is in need of now more than ever. If you are looking for your community and are ready to create the life of your dreams, Reach out to Rachel today to discover all the ways that she can help you in reaching those goals. And speaking of goals, my goal with this show is to empower as many people as possible to take charge of their lives and pave their own paths. And by you sharing the show with your friends and family and leaving reviews on iTunes, you are helping me invaluably in reaching that goal, to which I am eternally grateful for. Rachel, thank you so much once again for stepping back onto the show. And until next time, journey well, be well. Much love over to you, baby. Namaste. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders with a Z on the end.com and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show and I'm wishing you the best day ever.